Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 5050 Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. Alongside me, I got my friend and co-host Mason. Say what's going on, everybody. What's going on? Episode 8, ready to uh, go over AFC South today. The final division preview. Then we get to break into a little bit of draft strategy, a little bit more uh, ranking-specific material. So I'm excited to, to finally wrap up this uh, this division recap series we've been doing, Mikey. Yeah, man, it's it's been pretty tenuous i we just want to get into the rankings you know that's what everyone's here for um but i feel like we had to get the groundwork going for this year's yep. um season so um let's just hop right into the, some camp news coming out and today uh not a fantasy story but a pretty relevant nfl story um derwin james he got the bag mace four years 76 million dollars highest paid safety what are you feeling about it i know you love derwin james I, I love Derwin James. I don't think – yeah, it's a massive contract. There's really no doubting that. But when you get game changers on the defensive side like this, you have to pay them. You cannot ever let guys like Derwin James walk. So is it a big contract? Absolutely. But that's what the money's there for is to go out and secure your difference makers. And Derwin James is definitely a difference maker on that Chargers team. So I love the contract for both sides. Derwin James gets his bag gets that financial security and the charges get to lock in their superstar safety for uh, another four years there. Yeah, man. And that, that defense is it's like legit, legit. It's and, and it's all possible because they have the rookie QB contract. Yep. And like you said about the lines, we'll see, but their defense looks pretty solid too. So, but we'll see when we get there, but yeah, chargers. I mean, if they, if they blow it this year, I, I don't know what to do because they are loaded on offense and on defense. This is their um, window. 
This is their window. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, next two years for sure. Um, next story was a little bit of an interesting one. It was the Patriots and Panthers camp, uh, their dual practice. Did you see the what happened today? Well, was this about McCaffrey getting tackled? Well, there was a, there was something yesterday too. So um, we should have been recording yesterday, but some stuff happened. So uh, episodes coming out tonight. But today and yesterday, there was a fight. And what Mason's talking about is the McCaffrey thing. Um, I think it was Dietrich Wise. He said he said something to McCaffrey, and the McCaffrey threw a ball right at his face, and then it was a huge fight erupted on the field, and and it was full full team. Uh, it was like fifty on fifty action, but it was it was pretty wild. But um, I guess nothing really happened majorly. Uh, but you know, it's just got got that football spirit coming back. Uh, they they want to go. They want to play. Um, yeah. I don't know how I feel with these joint practices though. What do you think? I mean, I think it's good to get kind of that competitive edge going, but it does seem a little a little risky putting mm-hmm. your guys out there against guys on another team that really don't give a damn if they hurt you. Yeah. Um, I guess you're you're always gonna be at risk um of injury anytime you're playing football of any capacity. But they, they seem a little weird to me, but I do like it to kind of get those competitive juices flowing. And honestly this is probably uh the most entertaining thing that's gonna happen to the New England Patriots all season. So <laughs> well I mean we'll have to see about that but for sure. Um, and just before we get into our last uh, last thing on Camp Talk, sorry, uh, before we get into our AFC South preview, is uh, is a guy we were talking about a few weeks ago, Mace. Uh, a guy you're very high on. So how about you take it away? Chris Olave, what's he been up to? Yeah, Chris Olave in a joint practice uh, with the Packers the Saints had. Uh, apparently, it was just absolutely burning uh, the Packers DPs, Jair Alexander and Rajul Douglas. So a lot of good stuff coming out against Chris Olave. Obviously, we take everything that happens in camp with a grain of salt, but Chris Olave was a guy that I personally already loved coming out of Ohio State. That was a loaded offense, and he still rose to the top. So I really love Chris Olave. I think he's super polished for his age, and I think he ends up kind of maybe start of the year. He's maybe fighting for that wide receiver three, wide receiver two spot on the team but i really see him starting to really take over that offense as the alpha dog wide receiver by the end mm-hmm. of this, this season yeah he looks legit man but we'll have to wait and find out and as far as camp nothing really big uh besides that those are just kind of the few things we want to talk about um save some of the rest for tomorrow's episode too because we're gonna have a little bit of a back-to-back for you guys um but let's just roll right into the last division um not a very pretty one per se for as far as actual football teams go, but there's some sneaky guys on these t- four teams that I really like. And I think let's just start with the team that I think is going to win the division mace um, Indianapolis Colts. So what do you think about them? I like them. I, I do like the Colts as a more as a football team than a fantasy team, to be honest. Um, I like the, the scheme they're going to run. I think they're going to control the ball. They're going to have a lot of offensive time on possession. So time of possession. So I do like this team. I think they as well will win this division in terms of fantasy. They've obviously got Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's a stud and he's the RB one. I I've heard some rumblings of people trying to put McCaffrey in there. He's just, he, he, he cannot be put above Jonathan Taylor. To me, they have the same upside just Jonathan Taylor doesn't have that injury risk and he's on a way better offense behind a way better offensive line. So I do like Jonathan Taylor, obviously a lot, just like everybody else. Not much has to be said about him. Now, a guy that 
I think is getting just far too much hype this offseason, Mike. And you're going to hate this. You're going to hate this. Will I? Will I? You're going to hate it. But Michael Pittman is being so overhyped. It's it's insane. Last year, Michael Pittman was the wide receiver 29 in points per game. Is he a good wide receiver? Absolutely. But we're acting like he got Russell Wilson this offseason. He got 38-year-old Matt Ryan. So is he an upgrade over Carson Wentz? Absolutely. But is he enough of an upgrade to make him go from wide receiver 29 in points per game last year to where he's going right now? Pittman right now, his uh, ADP has him going around, you're, you're pushing early fourth round. But mm-hmm. I think in most in most drafts, he's going in the third. So that's wide receiver 13 he's being drafted at right now, according to ADP. Mm-hmm. I don't see Matt Ryan over Carson Wentz being enough of a difference to jump him from wide receiver 29 to 13. I just don't see it happening. On top of that, this team is going to run, run, run nonstop. Now, I think when they do throw, Michael Pittman is going to have a heavy share of those targets, but I really do question how much that's actually going to be. Because if this team is winning football games, they're not going to stop running. They're going to start running the ball, and if they are winning, they're going to keep running the ball. So really, the only situation where I see Pittman getting a a comparable amount of targets to what he did last year is if they start losing a lot of games, and I just don't see that happening. I think they're a great football team. So Michael Pittman's a guy that I'm all in on the talent, all in on him in any dynasty format, but I just don't see this being the year that he makes that breakout. I think maybe once they get a more more balanced offense in there when they have a quarterback that's going to be able to sling it a little more than Matt Ryan is. Yeah, that's when he's going to break out. And he definitely will eventually have that breakout season. But I think everyone that's predicting this being that season is uh, getting a little, a little, a little too excited about Michael Pittman in in 2022. Yeah. I mean, my, my biggest thing is I'm not a huge fan of that stat the fantasy points per game just because you're kind of discrediting the fact that the player plays all the games. I understand you have to look at it and the fact that, okay, there's guys more efficient than him when he plays, but those guys aren't playing and Michael Pittman is. So he started all 17 games last year. And obviously it's a little bit concerning. because It's like, okay, well, what if he gets injured this year? But we're not doctors. We aren't fortune tellers. We don't know when players are going to get injured. And you look at him as a guy that started all 17 games last year, and sorry, but Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan is a significant difference, and that's where I would completely disagree with you. I think Matt Ryan has been on an awful team the last three years, and people really forgot what he did in those last in those few years when he had Julio still and that actual legit offensive line. And even then, he's still thrown for over 4,000 yards every year. Last year was his first year not doing that, but the Falcons last year was an absolute crap show. And from what we've heard coming out of camp, Matt Ryan is breezing through the playbook. He's torching defenses. And who's his number one guy? Michael Pittman. So, yes, I do agree with you. Pittman is being hyped up a lot. But where he's being drafted at, I have no issue taking him. I would so much rather take Michael Pittman over guys like Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, um, DK Metcalf. Those are guys below him. The only guy I wouldn't take is Waddle. I'm I'm very high on Waddle. Um, but as far as guys where he is at and the guys around him go, I think he's very good there. But it's when people start taking him in the early third, I'm like, okay, what are you doing? Like, I've seen people take him over AJ Brown in mock drafts. I'm like, okay, let's just relax here. And I would agree with you there because I do think he's being hyped up a lot. 
But as far as where his ADP is, I couldn't agree more at where it is. I don't see him going off like a complete breakout this year. But looking at his last year's stats, he had 1,106. Would I be surprised if he finished this year with 1,308? I, I really wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you're right, though. They're going to run the football a lot. Uh, there's rumors that Naheem Hines is going to get a lot more receiving work this year. And we just don't really know who this team's number two is. Um, Alec Pierce is a guy that's getting a lot of hype out of camp. Uh, it's He's a big body from Cincinnati. He's a really good – he looks really good in camp. I've seen a few videos on him. And he's just bodying guys. So as far as that goes, we'll have to see. But they don't really have a, a distinguished wide receiver two. And because of that, I just see Michael Pittman getting a ton of targets. So is he being overhyped on every fantasy site imaginable? Yes, he is. And I, I don't agree with him being in the third round early. But at the end of the third round, early fourth, I'm going to take him every time if I'm there. So as far as that goes, I agree with you, though. We don't have to talk about Jonathan Taylor. There's nothing to talk about. He's the RB1. Um, and we don't really want to say too much about our rankings, but um, he's up there for us. Uh, wink, wink. But we'll get to that next week when we start going into individual position rankings. But I mean, besides that, nothing really. A guy that I was really looking at was Andrew Ogletree, who actually unfortunately tore his ACL today, uh, the tight end. So that was a guy that I was kind of looking at in some deeper leagues just to maybe stash because they don't really have a legit tight end. But as far as JT and Pittman go, I don't really see much here. Alec Pierce is a little bit of a sneaky uh, dynasty yeah. guy. But besides that, this team really isn't that deep for fantasy. Like you said, they're a great football team. And I, I think they will will win this division. Um, but we'll get to that when we uh, get to our division previews. So how about we uh, switch up the teams here, Mace? I don't really think we need to spend much more time on the uh, Colts. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans. You want to take us away on that? Yeah, for sure. This is a team that we've seen a lot of offensive turnover uh, over over this offseason. So we've got, uh, obviously, the big move, which was trading A.J. Brown, bringing in a first and a third, then immediately spending that first on Traylon Burks, um, and then adding Robert Woods to come in as that wide receiver, too. I do like Robert Woods. He's, he's a crafty guy that I think is – I think him and Tannehill are just going to click well. So Robert Woods is a guy, obviously, very – low ceiling in my opinion he's not a guy that's gonna go out and win you the league by any stretch of the imagination but i think he's a guy that very easily could develop into a week-to-week flex play um aside from that we have kind of a similar running back situation derrick henry is derrick henry i know the injury concerns are there but based on what we're hearing because it was a fracture now that it's healed we shouldn't have to worry about re-injury now that being said Derrick Henry still has an absolutely insane amount of miles on him. So he's still a risk for injury, even if it's not a re-injury of that foot. So Derrick Henry, if he plays, will be amazing. We all know that. He's going to be an elite fantasy running back if he plays. But it's a large risk. It's a big if, whether he's Mm going to play this entire season or not. So it's a guy that I kind of shy away from in terms of looking at the running backs. Obviously, if it's the right spot, I'm going to take him. But I'm going to take the Austin Ecklers. I'm going to take the Najee Harris's. I'm going to take the Joe Mixon's. Um, even I'm going to I'm going to definitely consider taking the Nick Chubbs of the world mm-hmm. over Derrick Henry just due to the security that comes with those guys. I think they have the same upside as Derrick Henry. 
maybe not uh, as good a chance of them hitting that upside, but I will take that to to minimize my injury risk. So that's kind of where I am on Derrick Henry. He, to me, is just the last of the elite running backs, is how I view it, just due to that injury risk. Um, we take a look at the wide receiver room a little further with Traylon Burks. Um, obviously, there was there were six kind of uh, top wide receivers this year. There was Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, um, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, and I'm missing one. Oh, and Jamison Williams. Mm-hmm. So out of those six, obviously, Jamison Williams is a little bit of a write-off because of that late-season ACL injury. But aside from that, the other five, the Wilson, Olave, Burks, London, and Dotson, I think Burks is the least NFL-ready out of all of them, and I think he's going to have the weakest rookie season out of all of those guys. Um, Burks was a guy, upon watching his film, I was in love with. I had him as my wide receiver one after watching his his tape. After that, though, you start getting into the analytics of Traylon Burks. His man success was 57.5%. Now, for reference, um, we'll go with just the average of the guys I scouted averages 66% success rate. So well below an average on success against man. He was even worse in success against press. And then even against zone, he was nothing special whatsoever. And on top of that, he had one of the least diverse route trees out of any of the college wide receivers I scouted. So this is a guy that is so raw and has so much potential because once he catches that ball, the guy's a truck. He can move well. He's fast. He can run through you. So once it's in his hands, I love him. Traylon Burt's a super talented guy. My concern is whether he is going to be able to get open enough consistently at the NFL level to get the ball in his hands. I think early on, um, Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator there in Tennessee, is going to have to get super creative with how they get him the ball. I see a lot of um, kind of swing plays to Traylon Burks, a lot of screen passes to him, because I think those are going to be the only ways he can consistently get the ball in his hands due to really the lack of polish Traylon Burks has as a wide receiver at this point. So with that being said, I don't see Traylon Burks doing much this year unless Tennessee just decides, okay, let's focus the offense around Traylon Burks. I don't see that happening as a rookie. I think they're they're still trying to win football games. Ultimately, they're still in win-now mode, even though they took a little bit of a step back. Um, so yeah, Traylon Burks is a guy still in Dynasty. I like, um, but for one year, maybe even two years, I'm, I'm not a Traylon Burks fan just to, due to the complete lack of polish he has in his route running. Yeah, and you know, this is a an interesting wide receiver room, I think, and there's really no guy that's stood out per se, um, they were kind of worried about Burks early on in camp with that um, asthma issue, and now he's finally kind of playing again. And supposedly even today he tweaked something, and they didn't really say what it was. But it was after he made an absolute – I don't know if you saw his grab today, Mason Camp, that he made. It was an absolutely beautiful contested catch he made. But then right away he got up, and you could tell something was wrong, and they haven't really disclosed what it was. So we'll have to get to see there. But there's one guy here that I'm really interested in, and it's not a guy you would take in any early rounds at all, um, but it's Kyle Phillips. And I don't know I, if you've been. I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. I, was wondering I don't know if you've been guy. listening to him, but he's being called the Professor. That's he already has a nickname. Um, sixth round pick out of UCLA, or fifth round pick, fifth round pick out of UCLA, and uh, he is just an absolute wizard on the route running. 
Uh, there was a viral video of him running the the tree route, and he's just going in and out of these drills like it's nothing. Um, he's been praised by every coach ever imaginable. It's like this is another Romeo Dobbs and another Pacheco guy that every day I open Twitter, I just see something about him. They're praising him again. He's he already knows every play in the playbook, and he's been at camp for like three weeks. Um, so this is a guy that you don't take at all in any like. <laughs> Um, not deep leagues, but if you're in a PPR deeper league, he's someone to kind of look out for because we don't know where any of the targets are going to go on this team. And Tannehill has already shown in practices that he likes Cal Phillips. He likes his slot guy. So he's been throwing to him a lot. So if you're in a very deep PPR league, it's a guy to take a late flyer on just because even if he gets like six, seven catches, um, that's just value at flex. So you never know. We don't know if he's going to be anything special or not, but it's just kind of one of those other hype guys in camp to look out for. Um, there's a lot of people comparing him as pro level as uh, Hunter Renfro, which if you watch him play, it looks pretty much a one-to-one comparison, but um, it, it could be nothing. It could be something that's the true reality of camp, but uh, it's just kind of funny to seeing him get a lot of attention on social media and he's a very inter- interesting person. So um, we'll move away from him because truthfully, there's no point in really spending a lot of time on him. But just there one is- thing, yeah. I do want to mention before we move on from him, I yeah. just want to mention one thing. Uh, Kyle Phillips in college outperformed Traylon Burks in uh, overall route diversification, um, overall route running success, overall success against man, overall success against zone. The only thing that Traylon Burks better than Matt was in press coverage, which you better be if you're 80 pounds more. Mm-hmm. So Kyle Phillips is a guy, like you said, the Hunter Renfro comparison. When you watch this guy's college tape, it is like they're the exact same person playing football. Yeah. They are so similar. The guy is really not athletic whatsoever. He's really slow. He ran a 4-6, a 4-5-8, 40-yard dash, which mm-hmm. – for being 181 pounds, yeah. really slow. But he is super agile. In his cone drill, he was actually 90th percentile. So this yeah. is a guy that has crispy routes, just as an absolute slot tactician, and is super agile after catching the football. He's maybe not as shaky as Hunter Renfro after the catch. That'd be kind of the one thing that I noticed. He doesn't have that shake in the open field that Hunter Renfro has. But Kyle Phillips is a guy that in Dynasty, I love as a stash. You're getting them for real cheap. Um, mm-hmm. And then even in redraft, throw a last round pick on them. Who cares? What's, what's your last round pick going to be? I, I would go as far to say, I think there's a genuine chance Kyle Phillips ends number two on this team in fantasy points amongst wide receivers. I don't know who that number one's going to be, but I have this weird gut feeling it's going to be either Woods or Burks as the wide receiver one in fantasy points. And right behind is going to be Kyle Phillips, who's just a sneaky rookie season, um, being Tannehill's dump-off guy in the slot. Because we know Derrick Henry doesn't catch the football. So where is he going to dump it off to? It's going to be the slot man on the short route. So I can see a lot of volume to Kyle Phillips this year in kind of a little bit of a scarce wide receiver room here in uh, Tennessee. Yeah, he gets open a lot. And with a quarterback like Tannehill, he's going to pepper that guy that gets open a lot. He's not going to force it down if he doesn't have to. So... Um, especially in those PPR leagues for that slot guy, you, why not, right? Like the 14th round, there's really not much there. So why not just take a shot at a guy that could be a solid flex player uh, at his ceiling? So um, besides that, there's not much really here. Um, Austin Hooper is a guy I kind of like, actually, just from stuff I've been hearing about um, Tannehill really starting to throw to him a lot. 
Uh, there was a camp. There was a camp training yesterday uh, that he went to him three to four plays in the red zone and with ended with a touchdown. So th- that's something to look out for. But again, he's being ranked very low. And again, is it really going to matter? Who knows? Let's we'll see. Uh, it's still very early in camp. It's only August 17th. So there's still pretty much two more full weeks of camp. So we'll have to really see. But besides that, I think we move on for the Titans. Uh, we got to get moving here. Um, let's just go into the Jacksonville Jaguars mace. Um, not that pretty of a team last year, like we know, but like we said, I think it was on the first episode of the podcast is that I really believe in Trevor Lawrence. So I'll let you start with it right away. Yeah, I do too. I, I think last year was just such, just such a mess of a season Mm -hmm. for this Jacksonville Jaguars team. I, I don't think you can put it on Trevor Lawrence, even quarterbacks that go into fantastic uh, landing spots with a great coach and a functional front office still struggle in the rookie year, let alone going into maybe the worst mess we've ever seen a first overall pick go into. Um, so Lawrence is a guy that I've in no way lost faith in. I still think at the very least, he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL for a very long time. One year on a terrible team not performing doesn't change the way he performed at Clemson and the prospect profile he had before. So Trevor Lawrence is a guy, I don't think he's going to reach that elite level quite yet, but I think we see a solid season out of him where he may even push into the top 12 quarterbacks. Um, I'm not predicting that, but I think that is certainly within the realm of outcomes for Trevor Lawrence. Um, In regards to the running back room, that seems to be kind of the most interesting thing for me on this roster. Uh, Mm -hmm. Travis Etienne, I was probably unnecessarily high on. Um, before the recent James Robinson news, um, I had him as high as running back 12 at one point. Wow. Not even joking. When, when things kind of weren't sounding great for James Robinson's, uh, recovery, I was all in on Travis Etienne, obviously having that connection with Trevor Lawrence and really not being any elite pass catching options on this team. I thought Etienne was going to be the absolute guy this year. Um, now that James Robinson's recovery is starting to look like it's going quite smooth, I have obviously uh, eased myself on the gas pedal there on on Travis Etienne. I still really like him. I've still got him ranked as an RB2. Nothing nothing crazy. However, the James Robinson, uh, the health of James Robinson definitely does nerf the upside of Travis Etienne. Kind of what I'm picturing for him this season is rookie Alvin Kamara. I think he could put up Maybe less touchdowns. I don't think the touchdowns are going to be there because this just simply is not the offense that uh, Alvin Kamara got to play in as a rookie. But I think efficiency-wise, you know, he's getting probably going to get six to ten carries per game, be highly efficient with them, and then catch the ball an absolute insane amount on top of that. So Etienne's still a guy I really like. But then James Robinson right now is maybe looking like one of the best values at the running back position. Um James Robinson's guy, Evans has been sleeping on. His ADP still has him at RB39. And this is a guy that's listed as the RB1 on this team. When it gets down to it, there's not going to be any any situation where on the one-yard line, James Robinson doesn't get that carry. James Robinson's going to be out there as soon as they're within the five-yard line to pound that rock up the middle. So James Robinson's guy, he's going to obviously go up. In the next in the next few weeks, kind of with the the good news on his injury, but even then, even if he gets up into RB thirty territory, 
I think the upside of James Robinson is 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 too good to pass up there. So both these running backs are super rosterable. I think there's a really good possibility that both of them are week to week starters in fantasy football. Um, in terms of wide receiver room, I'm going to be honest. I don't see myself having a single piece of anyone in this wide receiver room. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. And when they throw, it's going to be a lot to ETN. So I think it's just going to be a mismatch of targets between uh, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Kirk, uh, Christian Kirk. I think they're all going to get their targets. They're all going to have their games that they're sitting on your bench. You're like, oh man, why did I play them? The thing is, you're not going to be able to predict when those games come up. So I'm staying away from this wide receiver room, but give me all the ETN and James Robinson I can get. Yeah, I'd agree. And before I uh, talk about the team itself, have you heard of this grade, Mace? It's uh, Travis Etienne is one of six running backs to ever get a 99 grade from Next Gen Stats. Could you name off the other five? Do you think the other five other was it five. all? Was it just college football seasons? Yes. I would say I definitely can't get all five. I would say Saquon. Yep. Ezekiel Elliott. No. Zeke didn't get it. No. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Did he no. get one? No. Damn. How far back are we talking? One's very far back. One's very recent. One's somewhat, and the other one's somewhat. Uh, I don't know. This is kind what, of tough. What, if, what? What about Ricky Williams? No, you know what? I'll just give it to you. No, we can't yeah, waste so much it. time here. It's <laughs> Breeze Hall, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon. Nick Chubb and Travis Etienne. Hmm. So not to talk about Brees Hall, because we kind of already did um, kind of more of a situation rather than anything, but me and you are both very high on Travis Etienne. I don't know about RB 12 high, but I'm very high on Travis Etienne. Um, you look at the fantasy value there. Um, he's not only a good running back, but he was an elite receiver in college too. And who is his quarterback in college when he had a, an elite season? Oh, it's the guy he plays with now. So it's kind of like that Jamar Chase, not to that extent, but Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow thing for me, where it's like, yeah, these guys could be really good. We haven't seen it yet. And this could be the one year where you get a discounted price to Travis Etienne. Because I honestly truly believe that he has like first round potential in the few in the next few years for fantasy. So uh, you covered him really well. I, there's not much really to talk about here. I agree with you, though. The wide receiver room is really kind of just meh. There's so many guys that could make a difference, but am I going to draft any of them? Probably not. Christian Kirk's the one guy I would, but later in the draft, um, there's no tight end here. I'm not falling for the Evan Engram trap. I, I've given up on him. <laughs> I defended him for so long, Mace. You know that. The I, drafted him, in, I drafted him in so many leagues, and it never panned out. So I'm done with him. And let's just get moving on to the last team, who surprisingly, there's a few guys in this team that I really like. The Houston Texans, Mace. So... What do you think about them? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I I think they're an absolutely trash football team, obviously. Um, <laughs> they're just not going to be good this year. There's no way. But there are, to me, two shining lights on this roster. And we're probably – I think we probably have the same two guys here. Um, the first one we've touched on in previous shows, so I'm yeah. going to get right on that. Brandon Cooks, he's so safe. This yep. team's going to be losing a lot. He's by far the most talented wide receiver. There's not even another 
somewhat decent wide receiver on this team. Mm. So Brandon Cooks, just due to the absolute um, insane amount of targets he's going to get, being a good wide receiver on a bad football team, being the only guy that's really going to get any targets. Brandon Cooks has one of the highest floors you can find. I know it's really boring. And when you go up there and you're drafting him over all these sexy draft picks that have super high ceilings, you're going to feel gross. But in week six, when you have a guy that you just plug and play at wide receiver two or your flex slot every week without worrying about it, you're going to, you're going to be happy you made that choice. Um, The other guy I'm really liking and I liked Mm -hmm. him through, through the draft process is Damian Pierce. Um, I was really excited actually when he got drafted by the Texans uh, because it's one of the few teams that a rookie running back could easily climb to the top of the depth chart on. I don't see a situation where Damian Pierce is not the bell cow by week six. I don't see a situation where that happens. Marlon Mack's coming off an Achilles and he wasn't even that good before that. Rex Burkhead is done. Darug Bawali is a receiving back and Royce Freeman is a terrible football player. So who's going to stop him from becoming the running back one on this roster? There, There's nobody. Damian Pierce will be the starter by the latest uh, week six. So Damian Pierce is a guy that I love. He was su- super efficient in college, ultra efficient in college. Didn't really ever get the shot to be the man at the college level. And I think that's why he fell to the fourth round is we just haven't seen him do it with a large volume. But now that we're, in this position, he got drafted. He had a good landing spot. That is actually a good thing for a running back to have had very little work in college. Gives him a lot more miles to use in the NFL. So in Dynasty, oh my goodness, he's a, he's an absolute gold mine that you've probably been able to draft in the second round of your of your rookie drafts. And then in terms of redraft, he's a guy you don't want to get too high up on your boards because again, he's still a running back on the Houston Texans who's going to be losing a lot and he's not going to be commanding the full workload right away. So you're kind of, you're kind of throwing the first six weeks away with him. You're just accepting. He's probably not going to be useful for the first little bit, but if you can grab him in a spot where he's not going to have to start for you early in the season, then I don't see many running backs many rookie running backs that are guaranteed the workload at some point this year, like Damian Pierce's, even the running backs that went above him. You look at Brees Hall, Brees Hall has a super talented running back in his backfield, Michael Carter, Michael Carter is not going to disappear. Um, same thing with Kenneth Walker. We've got uh, Rashad Penny in that backfield, who was one of the best running backs in the league to end last season. So I think Damian Pierce has the easiest path out of all rookie running backs to be a workhorse this year. And he may be the only one that actually does it. So for that reason, give me Damian Pierce all day at his current ADP. I think he could be a league winner this year that gets really hot when it matters most. And I don't think he is going to be a league winner. I, I, sorry, I don't think that he might be. I think he is going to be. And he's someone that I've been super high on since the beginning of this offseason. And now all of a sudden, everyone's talking about him. And I'm like, crap, I'm not going to get him in the 10th round anymore. I'm not going to get him in the 9th anymore. I've seen him go in the 7th round, Mace, in open mock drafts. So the word's out on Damian Pierce, and I don't think it's going to go down. Um, just everything I've heard about him is he's a guy that they might just not ever take off the field. Um, there was a clip in their preseason game in pass, pass protection, and he literally flipped a linebacker. So you see that as a team, as a coach, you want to play this guy all game long. Not only can he run the football efficiently, we saw him. He, he ran for four for or five for 49. 
He had 9.8 yards per carry and 86% of his yards after contact. So not only can he get those yards, but he can also bowling ball guys out of the way for those yards. He was also the highest rated running back in that first preseason week. Again, preseason, but it matters. This is a guy that I literally want in every draft, but I don't think I'll get him because I just think it's now, if you were drafting a week ago, you could easily go in the ninth or 10th round. Now you're, you're seventh or eighth round at least. And He's my biggest guy I want every league. Um, it pains me to say that because there's some guys who listen to this podcast that are in our leagues. Um, but if you don't try to at least target Damian Pierce, you are losing out on a legitimate possible league winner. Um, and besides that, I mean, there's not much really to say there. I don't know if they'll even play in the next few preseason games, but we'll just have to wait and find out. But like you said, Brandon Cooks, nothing even needs to be said about him. We know he's just going to get a thousand yards. Who knows how many touchdowns? That totally depends on Davis Mills, but even like we when he talked about him, um, everyone said that he has shown so much signs of improvement this offseason. And not only that, but he's won over the locker room. So it seems like the Texans don't want a QB now. They kind of seem like they like him. But as far as fantasy goes, you want Damian Pierce, you want Brandon Cooks. And besides that, unfortunately, there's just not much there. Um, and I think we can kind of end on that. And as far as division previews mates go, uh, for me, I'm going to go Colts 1, Shocker, then 2. This might be a little bit of a hot take here, but I got Jacksonville at 2, Titans at 3, and the Houston Texans at 4. I've got the exact same thing. I've got the exact same thing. That. Look at I that. Just, I, I know it just is, is way easier to say the Titans are going to finish number 2 over the Jaguars. But, man, they lost a lot. So unless yeah. Derrick Henry plays 17 games, I don't see them winning more than six or seven games. And I just have this weird feeling in my gut. Jacksonville, I don't think they make playoffs, but I think they're just that exciting team that is in every game this year. A little bit, I think they're going to pull a few more out, but it kind of reminds me of Detroit Lions last year. Uh, every game was exciting. Every game was within one possession. Uh, now I think Jaguars will pull a lot more out than the Lions did last year, because I think they have a lot better quarterback play than uh, the Lions did last season, and overall, just more talent. Um, so Jaguars are a team I could see winning eight games this year, seven, eight games, and and Titans more around the six, seven. So it's going to be tight between those two. Either way, it's not going to matter. Neither are making playoffs. The only relevant NFL team uh, in this division is the Indianapolis Colts, which for me, they might be an AFC dark horse this year, in my opinion. Yeah, man, I completely agree, and I, I think that settles the episode, episode eight, and uh, we're done. This is previews are over, and now we get into the juicy stuff. We yes, got sir. some things lined up. Uh, some possible collabs might go down. I've uh, heard. With, a, with another podcast, so yeah, uh, keep your eyes out for that. Um, we're looking at some mock drafts, maybe some rankings, but Mace, close us out, buddy. Yeah, just uh, within – with uh, in regards to that collab, we got a couple offers right now. We've got uh, f- fantasy footballers are trying to hit us up, and then we've got uh, the reality FFP. So we're trying to decide which one we want to collab with. Um, if you're listening to this and you got our contact, let us know which one you prefer, and uh, we'll, we'll set it up. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, everybody, to episode eight and the conclusion of our uh, division preview series. We look forward to uh, to getting into some more exciting stuff now, getting to our draft strategies, our rankings, and uh, the first episode of that should be dropping tomorrow. So hopefully all of you tune in. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great day.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 